0: I'm Sarah Heiner, president of Bottomline Inc., the number one provider of expert-sourced, expert-vetted, expert advice that empowers your life. This is a bonus conversation from my recordings with Dr. Mark Goulston. He's a psychiatrist, FBI, and police hostage negotiation trainer, and the author of numerous books, including Just Listen, Talking to Crazy, How to Deal with the Irrational and Impossible People in Your Life, and Get Out of Your Own Way, Overcoming Self-Defeating Behavior. He's also Bottom Line Personal's go-to guy regarding difficult relationships of all kinds, and he's the host of the new podcast, My Wake-Up Call. You can learn more about Dr. Goulston and his work at markgulston.com, where you can view the free webinar on how to overcome your internal roadblocks to success and happiness. After our podcast, we got into a conversation about women, women in business, the Me Too movement, the recent discussions about women and the women's movement, and quite frankly, whether or not we as women... Are becoming victims or we put ourselves in a victim situation where we don't need to be and whether we're giving away power that we don't need to be giving away. So we wanted to give you this extra bonus conversation with Dr. Mark Wolfson. I have this, this theory that people, if you if you're looking to be hurt or you're looking to be a victim, you pick up evidence of it all the way. I've lived my life focused on where I want to go. People ask me all the time about, women in business right and women in the c-suite and discrimination of women in the c-suite and i say i've never been distracted by it and i've been in discriminatory discriminatory places and situations but i'm focused on doing my job i'm focused on acquiring knowledge being a good leader helping our customers whatever it is and if i let myself get distracted and waste my energy on um whether or not someone is stepping on me or someone's making more money than I am or someone got a better account than I did in advertising, all that is is a distraction to my focusing on the goal. And I think that far too many people spend far too much energy looking for evidence that they're victims rather than what can I do today to empower myself to move forward in my life and get to where I want to be. My view. Now you said you've got a Me Too story.
1: Yeah, I mentor uh, I mentor a lot of people. And one of the people I mentor is a dynamic woman named Alicia Dunhams, and she actually has a company called Best Seller in a Weekend. She'd be worth interviewing at some time. But she puts on these conferences for women, wealthy women conferences and whatnot. So she put on one like that, and there were probably a 100 women in the room, maybe five men and you know I'm I'm uh, her mentor so uh, and there's multiple panels and the final panel of the day she has a former wmba star one of the superstars maybe one of the top 5 people and the person's uh, partner business partner and something simmering at me about the conference and then suddenly it crystallizes so when they ask for questions or comments, I raise my hand and Alicia says, oh, that's my mentor, that's Dr. Markles. Goldstein. Oh, come up here and see what you have to say. And I go up there and I say, uh, I wanna preface this because if you take it out of context, it's gonna seem very sexist. But it's really meant to help. So what I've noticed for most of the day is that many of the women here and many of the women in the workplace have what I call anticipatory pushback. So they mm-hmm. anticipate that whatever they say will be reacted to in a negative, unreceptive way. And and having that anticipatory pushback, their voice becomes pitchy and shrill. And when their voice becomes pitchy and shrill, it creates a,
0: it creates their own problem yeah,
1: because what they're doing is they're attacking someone who's innocent right. and the reason i'm coming up here is because uh th- this woman the business partner of the wnba star uh, she doesn't have that in fact let me ask you and i asked her you've had no problems in your career at all having to do with gender isn't that true and she said yeah, I've never had any problems. And I said, the reason you have no problems is because when you walk in a room, you're focused on, so what's the problem we're trying to solve? Where are we in it? What do we need to do? And uh, you were probably in the military too, right? Yes. And she said, yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, I, 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 I don't get this thing about focusing on personalities. You have a mission, you have a job to do, and you just do that. And, and people just see me as part of the team to solve problems
0: yeah i firmly agree and i think also with women that's not long they obviously get pitchy i think that they also get don't know how to present their ideas because they've already defeated themselves Mm -hmm. so they don't present their thoughts or their ideas in a powerful way Mm -hmm. and they've almost already told themselves no they don't need the other people in the room to reject them because they've swallowed their information they haven't put their you know um, you know, proposal out there in a powerful way and supported it in a powerful way.
1: Well, you know, I think most of the world, or much of the world, much of the American political landscape uh, suffers from something I call fearful aggression. And fearful aggression is something that dog owners uh, know, uh, uh, thoroughbred horse uh, trainers know that when. A high-strung dog or a horse is afraid; they growl or they jump up, and and it's out of fear. And and so what happens is they don't understand when someone gets angry at them because it's coming from fear. How how, how can you be angry at me when I'm really I'm afraid? But I think the world is rampant with that, and and so and and why do people have fearful aggression? Because they already feel some sort of wound. And, they f- and, and they're worrying that the second shoe will drop. I used to be a co-host on an African-American radio show. It's still there. It's called The Zoe Williams Morning Show. It's on Dash Radio, and it's really edgy. And, uh, and I was a co-host because I can relate to the marginalized people in the world, and the marginalized people who are hardworking and good and talented, they deserve their shot. And I'm I'm going to do everything I can to give them their shot. That's just the way okay. I am. And I remember I was on one show, uh, and there's a YouTube <laughs> clip of this, and I sort of get excited. I said, oh, oh, I just figured out why white policemen will always be racist. <laughs> you know, and... Uh, uh,
0: that wasn't a controversial statement.
1: Well, they, they right. liked it. They right. said, okay, okay, uh, doc, uh Actually, I came up with my nickname uh, on the show. They didn't come up with it, but I was Whitey Locks. (laughs) (laughs) And they said, okay, yeah, Whitey Locks. Okay, what is this? I said, ah, I just figured it out. I said, what's underneath, and you can think of this with the current political spectrum, is what's beneath racism is you project on the other person how you would feel. If you were them being treated the way you treat them, so in other words, uh, you—if you're a white male or a white cop, you—you you say to yourself, "If I was that black male." Uh, I'd really be ticked off at being profiled. I'd be really angry at being singled out. I'd be angry at being all this thing. And so what happens is you deny that you're projecting on them how you'd feel if you were them and then you keep looking for hints to confirm it, confirmation bias. So as soon as they raise their voice because they're frustrated, you say, ah, see, I told me so. They're aggressive. I have a right to protect myself. So until people pull back or recognize the fact that we're always projecting on other people things about ourselves and then that and then we look for things to confirm that bias and we act accordingly, we're not going to resolve a lot of the problems between us. So even between Democrats now and Republicans who are so polarized, uh, part of what fuels a lot of that animosity is you, you project in the other party, well, I know if I was you being treated the way I'm treating you, I'd be angry. So I'm going to look for your anger. And as soon as I see the least bit of frustration in your voice, that's going to justify my seeing that you have weapons of mass destruction and I have a right to put you down.
0: Right, you've, right, you've proven proven my preconceived notion. Right. How much you know, it, are we holding ourselves back right now? We'll never be able to heal if we spend all of our time. And I wonder, there's a there's a cultural thing going on where, I'm going to tie this now to healthcare, where we all are broken, right? Everything gets picked with a pill. Everything has a diagnosis state. There's emotional things that now suddenly they have a diagnosis and they've got a drug. So suddenly you have a thing. Um, and how much in a land where we're all broken and something has to fix us are we stuck being broken right stuck waiting for that diagnosis stuck being accused of being whatever stuck as a victim of whoever is oppressing us suppressing us bad-mouthing us and while we're spending our time looking for for them you know we're giving all of our power away while we're, we're spending our time looking for the fix the pill the diagnosis the that person to stop treating me that way we will never be able to move ourselves forward as you can tell i'm a i'm a personal responsibilityist like that i'm all about what can i do because no one else is coming so do do we have this cultural shift going on or this cultural stuckness of victim of of them and victim of the accusation, the presumption, the whatever.
1: Oh, I think that's rampant. Uh, I mean, I think uh, I'm, I'm sighing because I feel, I don't know if I feel like a victim, although I'm determined not to be. Uh, I think the world is quickly losing its patience with each other. And impatience and the need for, to have something now and the justified anger and frustration if you don't get it now, I think is a major contributor to all of our ills. And so for instance, uh, pain, yes, requires treatment, but initially pain requires uh, at least some compassion so that the person in pain doesn't feel so alone. Here's a little taste of neuroscience. When we're under stress, our cortisol is high. That's an adrenal hormone mm-hmm. having to do with protecting us from stress. Under cortisol, our, uh, our, there's a part of our brain called the amygdala, which is part of our emotional brain. It gets overactivated by cortisol and it hijacks us away from being able to think. And it does that neurophysiologically because what happens is when the amygdala gets activated, our blood flow goes preferentially to our lower brain and away from our upper brain, so we literally can't think. Mm. You know, we, uh, and so as long as that happens, we're reacting from fight or flight or freeze, or emotion, but we can't think because the blood flow is not going there. Now what people don't realize is the antidote to uh, high cortisol is not mindfulness. It's, it's connectedness. So oxytocin, which is the hormone related to bonding, is actually the antidote to, uh, to high cortisol. So when you actually bond with someone, and by bonding, it means you let go of your agenda to find out where they're coming from and you get with them in whatever they're feeling so they feel felt. I was a suicide specialist for 20 years and none of them killed themselves. And my main approach was I got where, I, I, I went into the dark night of the soul with them and I just kept them company. That's all I did. Mm-hmm. Kept them company until, uh, you know, they came up with, well, shouldn't you come up with a treatment? I said, well, you know, you I the treatment is keeping you company in the dark night of the soul. you know, you in a rush to get out? <laughs> and what happened is it was like putting, it was like going into a, a wound and leaving an empathic drain in and they granulated out from the wound with hope. And so what happens with oxytocin is when it goes up, cortisol goes down, amygdala settles down, blood flow returns to the upper brain one of the reasons why women and female energy outlives male energy is because when cortisol goes up in males, they withdraw because they're paranoid. They withdraw, i got to fix this. They don't trust other males. They don't want to bear their neck because they feel weak. Uh, they pull away. They get sullen. And then maybe they'll come up with a answer and they come back and take the hill. But prolonged, sustained cortisol, which is staying there, over time breaks down neuron membranes. So over time sustained cortisol breaks down your nerve cells. Women on the other hand, uh, when they're uh, under stress and their cortisol is high, uh, they know that uh, oxytocin will bring it down, and so that's why women want to speak and not just be heard, but feel felt. And when, when women feel felt, oxytocin goes up a blood flow goes up to their upper brain and they can come up with a solution and advice that's one of the reason one of the reasons female energy does not want solutions or advice is because when you give it because they're making you nervous you're thwarting their oxytocin
0: hmm okay
1: you know and right. by and by thwarting their oxytocin right. you're jamming them with more cortisol because intuitively they know if you could just hear me through and work and, through it. And work through right. it and tolerate it. Uh I'll cry. I may I <laughs> I may say to you it's all over, let's get a divorce, but if you can hear me through next morning
0: I'm fine and I say, What's for breakfast? Hmm. Fascinating. So how do we cycle that back to where we were talking about um women Women being victims, women being feeling like they're hitting glass ceilings, women not giving th- themselves the power. Are we ashamed to um, take that space and connect with people because we feel like we're not allowed to in an environment? I know my husband and I—the the running joke. I'll, he'll we'll talk about something, and then I'll talk about it again. He'll say, "We already talked about that," and I've you know after 30 years of marriage, I go, "I know, but I need to say it again," but. You know, are women afraid to speak up and to find the connections? Do they feel isolated in the workplace so that they're not able to find that strength of, well, well, of if the they oxytocin? If they,
1: if they can't speak up and feel felt, they're running on cortisol so their blood flow is not able to go up to their upper brain. So the feeling felt is really important. But you're bringing up something else about women and how to succeed in the workplace I'm often called upon to speak at women's conferences. Sometimes I'm the only male speaking. And I remember I was the only male speaking at a Mattel women's conference. And there must have been 300 women in the audience. And, uh, and I coach a lot of women executives. Uh, I coach men, but you know, men don't ask for directions. You know, they, just, they, you know, they just wander around. They know it. The, they, they, they wander around but, in the dark with their ways going, you know, and they think that'll direct them through life. Uh, and so one of the things I said to the women in the audience is I said, I've asked women that I coach, why do you use me? Why, why don't you get a women coach? And what a number of them say is, you're the big brother I always wanted. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, what does that mean? They say, you're funny, you're irreverent, you uh, but you can hit me directly between the eyes with something specific that will help me. And not only don't I resist it, I love it because it's laced with love. And then I asked in the audience, how many of you have a big brother like that? Raise your hands and think about him. Whoever raised their hands had a smile on their face. And I said, here's the takeaway. I don't understand lean in. Now, of course, I'm a man and hopefully I'm not being chauvinistic, but I I think it's using that aggressive, I'm gonna take my share, we're not there yet, but be the big sister uh, that everybody wants. It's a great energy. In fact, when I coach women executives about be the big sister, my homework assignment to them is I have them watch three Barbara Stanwyck movies from the 40s and 50s, (laughs) because she she was to uh, James Stewart and Gary Cooper, uh, I mean, I said, don't watch Katherine Hepburn. Don't, uh, don't watch her. No, 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 uh, no. Because she, she did had did not edge. really
0: make you feel safe. She had an edge.
1: Right. But Barbara Stanwyck, she had real principles. She stood up for the yes. right thing. She had warmth, but she had strength. Yes. And, and it was fascinating because I remember in that one conference, about 20 women came up. They said, that's an amazing identity. Mm. I never thought about it that way. Be the big sister that everybody wanted.
0: Yeah, well, and again owning who we are and, and being confident of who we are, not ashamed of it, and not trying to be men. I agree with you about Lean In. I read it, and I went, I don't want to be a man. I don't want to do that stuff. I, I've got my gifts, my charms, and my skills, and we all, I need the male energy to complement me. I need different female energies around, because we all, to, 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 to be very cliche about it, we all create a, a quilt or a fabric of strength by having those different energies to fuel. So women should not be holding themselves back, should not feel like they can't or they're being pushed down. Like just go own it, go own you. Mm-hmm. All right, nice little impromptu conversation about women. Thank you, Dr. Mark Goulston.
1: Well, that was hashtag we too.
0: <laughs> I'm talking to Dr. Mark Goldston known as the People Hacker for his ability to understand the minds of all sorts of difficult or even dangerous people. Success in life depends on having good relationships, and Dr. Gulston has provided his expert advice to Bottom Line readers on creating good relationships with even the most difficult people in their lives. He's just one of the thousands of experts featured in our newsletter, Bottom Line Personal, who provide their expert advice to guide readers into action in their own lives. In addition to Mark's wisdom regarding often challenging human behavior, Bottom Line Personal is filled with actionable advice on all aspects of your life, including living a healthy life, traveling safer and cheaper, finding the best insurance, retirement planning, smart tax strategies, and even travel to little-known destinations. Bottomline Personal has been helping people lead more informed and vibrant lives for over 40 years with our actionable and double fact-checked advice. Subscribe today and get a free bonus book, Bottom Line's Best Bets, full of some of the greatest tips from our experts of all time. Just go to bottomlineink.com forward slash BLP. That's bottomlineink.com forward slash BLP.